This is The Guardian. Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here. Just a note to say that with a few people away, there won't be a Friday newsroom edition of Full Story today, but it will be back next week. Okay, this is The Full Story. The wages of at least 2.7 million workers, around a quarter of the workforce, are about to go up after a decision by the Fair Work Commission to raise the minimum wage by 5.2%. But with the cost of living continuing to rise, will this raise be enough to keep the lowest paid workers in Australia afloat? And with Labor vowing to take a different approach to wages overall, what could that mean for the rest of the workforce? Today, the future of wages under Labor. It's Friday, the 17th of June. I've got a backup going. Actually, can you say two words while I check the backup? Ah, two words. Embedded network. Price gouging. Okay, let's go from the top. So, Paul, the Fair Work Commission has ruled on a wage rise. I wonder if we can start with just a bit of an explanation about what the Fair Work Commission does and how this decision came about. The Fair Work Commission is a tribunal that has the power to set the national minimum wage and the minimum pay rates in awards in different industries. Paul Carp is a political reporter at Guardian Australia. And they decide this every year in an annual review of wages. When you say awards, what do you mean? So there's about 120 modern awards covering all sorts of different industries and it tells you how much uh, you have to pay employees, you know, at at different skill levels in that industry. So this decision then essentially covers some of the lowest paid workers, people on the award or people on the minimum wage. There's 2.7 million of them in all. What were people expecting from this announcement leading into it? This year, inflation is running rampant, you know, it's 5.1%. Before the election, the Morrison government put in a submission that didn't call for a pay increase of a particular size. Mm. During the campaign, Anthony Albanese said that he would support a pay increase of 5.1% to keep up with inflation for low-paid workers. And then after they won the election, that's what they put in their submission, that for low-paid workers... Wages shouldn't go backwards. So, but it's just back to wages. You said you don't want people to go backwards. Uh, does that mean you would support a wage hike of at least 5.1% just to keep up with inflation? Absolutely. And secondly, and secondly no, do you have any concerns about what Absolutely. Right, so the government supported a rise of at least 5.1%, so low-paid workers didn't lose out on money, essentially. What did we end up seeing, Carl? What the Commission ordered was... Taking all the relevant considerations into account... We have decided to award an increase of $40 per week to the national minimum wage. The national minimum wage... And so for people on the national minimum wage, that is a 5.2% increase, taking them from $20.33 to $21.38 an hour. Mm. And then for the larger group of more than 2 million people on awards, it's more like 4.6%, but with a minimum of $40 a week. Mm. Was that surprising, this 5.2% figure? Can you put it in context as to past raises? Past raises are more in the order of 2.5%. It had to be bigger this year because inflation is so high. Inflation also erodes the real value of workers' wages and reduces their living standards. 
The low paid are particularly vulnerable in the context of rising inflation. And, you know, for many people, this is still you know, a disappointing outcome because it is, it is still a, a small real pay cut uh, because it is lower than inflation, mm. but it is, it is more generous than normal and uh, the Fair Work Commission was primarily driven by trying to help vulnerable low-paid workers and they weren't persuaded that an increase of this size would harm the economy overall. Mm. When will workers actually see this reflected in their pay? So for most industries, this is effective from 1 July, so that's just two weeks away. But in a few industries, aviation, hospitality and tourism, the Fair Work Commission accepted that there were exceptional circumstances, particularly the, the slower recovery from COVID, and those were the hardest hit industries. So workers in those will have to wait a little longer until 1 October. Right, so they're giving airlines a bit of a breather, considering how tough airlines have it at the moment. Is that the idea there? Exactly. What has been the reaction overall to the Fair Work Commission's decision? The opposition was lukewarm in their response. Uh, Peter Dutton just said that, you know, we need to think about small business. Uh, like none of them, not one of them has been in small business. They haven't had an overdraft. They haven't had the house as security for their business. They haven't employed staff. They haven't been the last person to get paid uh, each fortnight. It's... It's a bit of a rock show. There's no surprise the Prime Minister welcomed the decision. It makes a difference to people who are struggling with the cost of living and it justifies... Unions welcomed it because it, they said it was a success for their advocacy for a higher amount. The union movement is um, happy and proud that we've fought um, for this increase and that it's going to make a big difference for so many workers. I would say this... Employer groups... Hated it. In particular, this adds very significant costs to the Australian economy and to business. Uh, by our calculations, this will add $7.9 billion in costs to the affected businesses over the year ahead. Uh, so that will be a very considerable burden that those businesses will either have to take to the bottom line or pass on uh, to their customers. The Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry has calculated that this adds $7.9 billion to employers' costs. So their concern is two things, mainly, you know, whether businesses can afford to pay and they warn that some can't, mm. and the other is whether uh, this adds to inflation. There are different elements to it. I think what this highlights is that... Frankly, this national wage case uh, process, uh, the way it feeds into the modern awards, uh, it's an antiquated process. It's a process that's uh, had its day. Uh, and Andrew McKellar from the Chamber of Commerce actually suggested the wage case should be changed. Instead of it uh, setting you know, one quarter of the workforce's pay through this case, he seemed to be suggesting that awards should either be decided on a case-by-case -case basis how much their pay should increase, or it should just be bargaining between employees and employers. That call for flexibility is quite controversial because, I mean, this is how 2.7 million people's pay is set. And to, to take, you know, two and a half million people out of this decision, it takes them out of the safety net of having their pay go up automatically through the commission setting it. So the response from the Chamber of Commerce to a hike in the minimum wage is essentially to say this system needs an overhaul. It's not working for businesses. What type of system would he prefer when setting these wages? 
It's very unclear. His comments either mean that the Fair Work Commission should look at each award separately rather than one case, or that if you're on an award and you want a pay increase, you should negotiate a workplace pay deal to get off the award with your employer. It's it's very unclear. What's the alternative? Sorry. What's the alternative to a, to a, a national minimum wage case? You, you, you must have, I mean, for minimum wages, fine. That's the 180,000 people on the lowest wages, the wage safety net. But uh, when it flows through into the modern award uh, system, uh, this really needs to be looked at on a case-by-case basis. We need to get back to much more effective uh, enterprise uh, bargaining, flexible wage setting, driven uh, by the market. I want to go to the broader comment that you mentioned from employer groups like the, the Chamber of Commerce that they say this will increase inflation and actually hurt workers because they'll be, you know, seeing a rising cost of living via that inflation. Is that realistic? And what have people said about that claim? Well, we've had a decade of wage stagnation. We know that the inflation that we're seeing at the moment is not caused by employee labour costs. It's coming from things like supply chain interruption. The Fair Work Commission, on balance, has been persuaded that it won't harm the economy. So essentially, the independent umpire has ruled on that. Given the current strength of the labour market, the adjustments we propose to make will not have a significant adverse effect on the performance and competitiveness of the national economy. And unions have also pointed to business profits. We need to know this. It's not as if businesses are suffering at the moment. They're not. They're doing very, very well. Their profits are up 20%. If we had have won the 5.5%, that would have equated to 1% of their profits, a small amount. And that's what working people in our country are asking for, to fairly share in the recovery, to fairly share... As the unions and others have pointed out this week, inflation is expected to continue to rise throughout the year, up past 7% by Christmas possibly. What is the government going to do if they want wages to keep pace with inflation? Would they consider, you know, supporting a raise next year if this continues to rise? Well, the Fair Work Commission decision acknowledged that even 5.2% didn't keep up with inflation and that that amounted to a real pay cut. Mm. And Justice Ian Ross suggested that the way that that would be remedied would be in future years' decisions. Now, it's too early to say, you know, what Labor is going to submit to the Fair Work Commission this time next year. Like, we don't know what inflation is going to be then. But it's clear that the Fair Work Commission has left room for unions and for the Albanese government, if they want to, to argue next year that, you know, the the, the increase should be higher than inflation to make up for this year when it was still a real pay cut. But so far, Anthony Albanese hasn't said what they're going to do next year. And will the government keep arguing that wages should match inflation, even if inflation reaches the Reserve Bank's forecast of 7%? Uh, We've made it clear, Patricia, that this was a particular circumstance at this time for the national wage case for minimum wage workers in the context as well of those minimum wage workers. Next, Labor's broader plan for wages. So, Paul, as you've 
mentioned, you know, this decision covers about 25% of the workforce, but wages have been stagnant for quite a while across the broader workforce. Why is that? I mean, what is going on more broadly with wages in Australia? Well, the neoliberal view is the way that you get wage rises is to push unemployment down. Unemployment is now 3.9% and we're not seeing spectacular wage rises. So it's clear that that connection is broken and that what's happening is that workers don't have enough bargaining power to force employers to pay them more. The Fair Work Act and all the restrictions that it places and hurdles that it places towards striking, the one thing that uh, is, is guaranteed to put the, put the fear of God into employers and, and, and get them to pay more, is incredibly difficult for employees to access. So we have a system of collective bargaining where employers take a take-it-or-leave-it approach, employees are bargaining with one hand tied behind their back, and the Reserve Bank put out a paper saying the best way to get a pay rise is to change job. So basically quitting and working somewhere else is the best way to get a pay rise in Australia at the moment because it's so hard to bargain. Right. The new government has laid the blame for these types of conditions on the previous government. They say successive governments have kind of created this condition. How different will the Labor approach be to wages? What have they said about wages? Well, they've said they do a whole bunch of things. There's the submission to the Fair Work Commission in this case, but there's also uh, a case in the aged care sector uh, to try and get a 25% increase in that sector to recognise the value of the work people in that sector do. The federal government has said that they uh, would support an increase uh, in that sector. And Anthony Albanese said he wants to see wage stagnation change, especially because most workers are suffering real pay cuts due to soaring inflation. And this week, the Minister for Employment and Workplace Relations, Tony Burke, went even further. The era of wages being kept deliberately low by the Liberal and National parties effectively came to an end today. It came to an end for people on the minimum wage. It came to an end for cleaners, for shop assistants, for people in the care economy. A wage increase that the Liberal and National Party never would have advocated for. So we've got a new government that, by and large, wants to see wages rise. How do they plan to do this? The next point of action is a job summit that they're convening. You know, they'll hear employer and union ideas about how to fix uh, the bargaining system. And they say that this will be to bring unions and businesses together to discuss how they can lift wages, lift profits, without putting pressure on inflation and by lifting productivity. The main thing is to get people off awards and onto workplace pay deals uh, with their employers because fewer and fewer people have been covered by those. And, you know, although they have been unspectacular pay increases, they do tend to pay more than the award. So that's a good way to get a pay increase. Mm. The employment summit is likely to be held by September. Paul, as you mentioned earlier, the Chamber of Commerce thinks that the powers of the Fair Work Commission should change and they should have less of a say over award rates. I imagine this will come up at the job summit. How do you think that's going to be received? I think this is going to go down like a lead balloon because at the moment we have not very good wage growth for employees that are on workplace pay deals and this proposal would be taking 
people off the safety net of having their pay go up automatically every year by the commission setting it, uh, and either you know requiring unions to fight award by award for increases or putting the impetus on employees to negotiate with their employers. So I, I think Labor and the unions are absolutely going to hate it. So this sounds like a really big test for Albanese, bringing everyone together. He says he wants to keep employers happy by lifting profits and to lift wages, all to be sorted out via this roundtable. I mean, how do you think that's going to go, Carl? Look, everyone always says that they want collaborative industrial relations, right? Mm. They want productivity to go up and then they want to share those gains uh, between employees and employers, between wages and profit. But the, the thing is, productivity has been going up and people haven't been getting very good pay rises. Mm. The other thing is, it's a statement of the obvious that, you know, every dollar paid in wages is a dollar not paid in profit and vice versa. So in a sense, you can grow the pie by increasing productivity, but in another sense, it is still zero sum in that some people would rather grow the pie and then just keep a larger slice of it. So I think you're going to see that age-old <laughs> class struggle dynamic played out in this forum that's been convened by a newly elected government. Some employers' groups might take a constructive approach, but others are taking a more aggressive approach, calling for a decentralised uh, wage-fixing system and letting the, the market control wages, which is going to exacerbate that power differential between employers and employees. OK, Carp, thanks. I'm sure we'll talk about the Job Summit when it comes up later this year. Good hope. That was Paul Carp, a political reporter at Guardian Australia. You can read his reporting on wages at theguardian.com. Plus, Guardian columnist Greg Jericho has done a deep dive on the link between inflation and wages, which is really worth checking out. We've linked to that reporting on the Full Story page. This episode was produced by Alison Chan, Miles Herbert, Krishma Luthria and Jane Lee. Sound design and mixing by Joe Koning. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson and me, Laura Murphy-Oates. OK, catch you next week. <laughs>